Good morning. Welcome to this pre-recorded worship service for November the 15th, coming to you from the Church of the Palms of Sarasota, Florida. We're so glad you joined us and pray that this hour of worship will draw you closer to God. In the sacred space of your home you've made for worship, we invite you to let your cares go by and invite our Lord into your presence. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship. God, you are my God, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. Let us worship God.
God invites sinners to reclaim their former glory. All who have stumbled and fallen are welcomed and lifted up. Those who exalt themselves as if they were gods are brought to their knees. God will listen when we repent and will answer when we sincerely desire to change. Join me now in our prayer of confession. Gracious God, help us to be honest with ourselves, with one another, and with you. We have searched for life amid temporary attractions. We have sought excitement in places that turned out to be desert wastelands. We have burdened others with our mistakes. We have sought honors and made comparisons to look better than those around us. We have devoted little time to thanking and praising you, the source of all things. Open us now, O God, to the word we need from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God judges with righteousness and equity. God will strengthen us in every good work and word. By the kindness of our Creator, we are saved from self-centered rebellion and equipped for abundant living. We are called to join the chorus that praises God, proclaims good news, and invites others to share God's grace. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us now affirm what we believe by reciting the Apostles' Creed together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We are celebrating peace as our fruit of the Spirit, and we invite you to be reminded of that as we share the peace of God with our loved ones at this time. Peace be with you.
Welcome to our pre-recorded worship service. We are delighted that you have tuned in from the safety of your home, either right here in Sarasota or in another city across the country. For those of us who are local, we have two wonderful opportunities to love our neighbors as we move into the season of Advent. First, I was so excited to see that we can still adopt an angel, and the Salvation Army has made it so easy for us. Today, I went to our church website, and I scrolled down till I saw the image, angel tree. I clicked on it, on the, the phrase that said, click here to adopt an angel, and then you get to choose the gender and the age. So once you do that, the angel's name comes up along with their wish and their needs. And they are very humble, by the way. So I chose either gender, and I chose 80 to 89-year-olds. And wouldn't you know, um, I clicked on two different angels. One has a wish of having a microwave. The other has a wish of full-size bedding. So this weekend, my husband and I will go out and shop for these few items, and then we have the chance to get them delivered to the Salvation Army on Tuttle by December 9th. You don't wrap it. You don't drop it off at the church this year. You take it straight to Salvation Army. It is so easy, and it is so necessary. So I hope that you will take the opportunity to adopt an angel this year and just rest assured that they will send you email confirmations and all the information that you need. Second, for us locals, we are all invited to ring the Salvation Army bells at our Publix once again at Bee Ridge and Beneva. As you can imagine, during this season of COVID, the need is plentiful but the ringers are few. So if you are able to help in this important ministry, you will know that you can find two hour slots, two hour slots, four times a day, beginning the day after Thanksgiving and following all the way through Christmas Eve. Again, there's a sign up on our website or you can call the front office. And now we have four things for everyone, regardless of whether you are worshiping near or far. First is our next conversation on race and the church will be Monday, November 30th at 6 o'clock on Zoom. It had previously been scheduled for no November 16th, so please update your calendar. You are invited to read The Color of Law and or listen to the interview with Terry Gross um, that she has with the author. That link is on our website. If your schedule does not allow for you to do homework before that night, come anyway, because we're gonna watch a short video on the color of law, then we're going to break into small groups to discuss it. We believe with all of our hearts that Jesus calls us to do the important work of justice and unity and reconciliation. So we hope that you will sign up for the Zoom link on our website and that you will join us in this journey. Second, you have until Monday, November 16th, to send in your picture of what peace means to you. Jackie Gomez will put together a beautiful video montage that we will all get to enjoy. And as you probably know by now, the email to send that image is jgomez at churchofthepalms.org. Looking ahead this Wednesday at 6.30 for God in Hollywood, Pastor Steve will be discussing the movie Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And then the following Wednesday, 
Thanksgiving Eve, you will be able to view our annual combined service with Temple Sinai at 6 p.m. on our website and on our social media channels. Whew. It now gives me great joy to introduce to you our three newest members at Church of the Palms. Please welcome Sue Baker and Angela and Jonathan Smith. Sue is in my Love Does small group and she is just a delight. And we all have enjoyed the music from Angela and Jonathan in our past services. Angela plays the flute and Jonathan plays classical guitar. And now we are lucky enough to have Jonathan on staff as part of our tech team. Jonathan is a sound engineer and he is working his magic right now up in the sound booth. So thank you, Jonathan. Welcome to Sue, Angela, and Jonathan. We are so grateful that you have joined us in our mission of loving God and loving neighbor. And remember, you too can join this beautiful church family. You just need to contact Pastor Mingy. Well, as you may have noticed, last week, children's ministry started up live and in person. And we are excited to show you this brief video of the new children's worship space that Carol Homeister and her team designed from your generous donations to the Extra Mile campaign.
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving God, we thank you for this day in which we get to worship you and serve you. We thank you for being with us all through this pandemic. We see your hands of love and grace even in these days of uncertainty. We give you thanks for that. This day we particularly give you thanks for our new members, Susan Baker, Angela, and Jonathan Smith, who have joined us formally to be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ at Church of the Palms. We thank you for their lives and faith journey and pray that you'll continue to bless them as together we continue journeying on to love you and love our neighbors from you. Merciful God, we pray for those who are not well this day. Touch them with your healing power, we pray. We pray for those whose lives have been turned upside down, isolated and confined. Comfort those who are grieving this day for the loss of their loved ones, we pray. Strengthen those who are in places of rehabilitation, we pray. Bless those who are working for cure and treatment of diseases, including the COVID-19, we pray. Bless those who work in healthcare professions, we pray. Great God, we pray for our country as we struggle with political uncertainty and divide. Bring us peace and unity in our diversity. Bless and protect those whose services in your name and services for this nation take them away into dangerous places. Almighty God, we pray for those who are suffering from natural disaster, including those who are suffering from the wandering storm, Hurricane Edda. We pray especially for our brothers and sisters in Honduras. Teach us how to be helpful to those who are victimized by natural disasters. This day we give you particular thanks for letting us be your instruments of love and grace in this community and around the world. While we do not know the future, we give you thanks that we know that you will be in with us all through our lives. We bring all our prayers to you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now we have come to a place in time in our worship called Moment of Gratitude. We are grateful to God because God blesses us every day in our lives, even in the midst of this pandemic. On the screen are the ways that, that we can continue to give back and share the blessings we get from God with others. We read the psalmist in Psalm 9, the first two verses, saying, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. 
We thank and praise God like the psalmist when we feed the hungry families in this community and prepare children to go back to school and reach out to neighbors near and far. And when we stand in solidarity with those who are abused, exploited, and oppressed. And when we support partners in mission locally, nationally, and globally, and when we work to end the racism and anti-Semitism, and we, when we invite all our neighbors near and far into worshiping and loving God. Now let us give back to God who first give us all that we have. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us during these times, for the generosity of our people, 
and the efforts they expend to assure that their tithes and offerings get to their church for the work of your kingdom. May these gifts given with love enable our church to become increasingly your instrument of love and care and growth together in Christ. In the name of your wonderful Son, we pray. Amen. Good morning. Moment. My name is Miss Sarah, and oh my goodness, I can hardly see what I'm doing here. You may wonder why. Well, I should probably explain myself. This is my grudge. I've been carrying it with me for weeks now, and I just can't seem to put it down. If you don't know, kids, a grudge is sort of like a bad feeling that's deep in your gut. Sometimes it feels like anger or frustration. And we usually develop a grudge because somebody's done something that's hurt us. And usually, maybe even they're really wrong and you kind of hope they get in trouble or they get what's coming to them. But the thing about grudges I'm discovering, because I have been carrying this all day, is they really get in the way. I could hardly eat breakfast. I didn't brush my teeth today. I can't do anything when my hands and my time and my heart is full of carrying this big old grudge. I don't think I can live the life God wants for me when I'm holding this grudge. So I think, since I know you're here with me, I'm ready to set it down, okay? Ready? One, two, take a deep breath. One, two, three. There it goes. Look at that. That feels great. That's so much better. Now I have so much more energy and I can do so many things. Listen to this from the Bible, guys. It's from a letter called 2 Corinthians. All this is from God through Christ. God made peace between us and himself. And God gave us the work of bringing everyone into peace with him. I mean that God was in Christ, making peace between the world and himself. In Christ, God did not hold the world guilty of its sins, and he gave us this message of peace. So friends, we get to be peacemakers. How cool is that? But part of being a peacemaker is letting go of our grudges. It's laying them down. And when we do that, we get to be an example of God's amazing grace. And we get to bring everyone into peace with him. Will you pray with me? God, you have forgiven so much. You have sacrificed so much, and we are so thankful. We know we sometimes hold grudges and ask that you forgive us. And we promise, Lord, that we will work to lay down our grudges and spread your message of peace. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Well, we continue in our series on the fruit of the Spirit. We are in the midst of this month of November in which we're reflecting on the fruit of peace and thinking about the many ways by which we can encounter peace. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at looking back at the ancient ways, the way of Christ, the way that God would have us walk in which to discover peace. This past Sunday, we looked at uh, worry in our life and anxiety and how we might encounter the presence of Jesus to know that we're never alone, but that Christ is with us in the midst of our trials. Today, we take a look at uh, what it might mean for us to participate as peacemakers, how we get to be a channel of peace in the world. And to that end, we are going to look at two texts from the New Testament, the first from Paul's letter to the Colossians, the first chapter, and then followed by 2 Corinthians. Let's hear the word of God. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross." And now from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, through whom we have found our reconciliation with you. All this we pray in his name. Amen. The story is told of a Thomas J. O'Connor, lifelong resident of Dublin, who died and found himself standing at the pearly gates. 
He met there the guardian of the gate and asked if there was a place reserved for him. St. Peter, he said, I've been a good man. I've loved my wife and my children. I went to church every Sunday, always paid my pledge. Have you sinned, my boy, came the response. Well, St. Peter, I guess I sinned a little, you know, especially when I was young and foolish. I bet on the horses a few times, fibbed twice or two, had few too many, too, few too many drinks. So I guess you could say that I've sinned, if that's what you mean. Actually, I was thinking of some more egregious sins, the gatekeeper, leafing through the great book of life, said. Did you do anything more serious? Thomas J. O'Connor thought for a moment. Well, I guess the only thing that I can come up with is that one time when we were in school and playing rugby. I played for St. Thomas's and we were playing against St. Anthony's for the national championship and it came down to the very end of the match. It was all tied up. I had the ball, scored to win the game, but there was some controversy. One referee thought I had fumbled the ball before scoring and the other one thought I hadn't. They took me aside and asked me to be truthful to say what had happened. Now, you have to remember, St. Peter, this was for the national championship, so it was kind of in a tough spot. Truth is, I did fumble the ball before scoring, but I couldn't say that and let my teammates down, so I lied and said I didn't fumble, which meant that St. Anthony's lost the championship because of me. I always felt bad, St. Peter, about those St. Anthony boys not getting their rightful trophy. But you know, that can't be such a bad sin to keep me out of heaven, can it be, St. Peter? Oh, I really don't know, came the brusque reply. You see, St. Peter's out to lunch and I'm St. Anthony. There are some sins that are just hard to get over, some slights that are hard to forget, some wounds that are hard to heal. If you're human, you know what I'm talking about. If you're human, you know that life is filled with all sorts of injustices, all sorts of jabs and stabs, cheats and double deals, misunderstandings, attention that was not paid, feelings that have been hurt, promises not kept. And we each have this ledger that includes on it a list of IOUs, things we feel that we are owed from previous injustices. He owes me an apology. She owes me an answer. He owes me a telephone call. She owes me an explanation. The course of our lives, I suspect, gets determined to some degree by what we do with these IOUs, what we do with these grievances, what we do with our righteous indignation. Do we, like St. Anthony, take all those IOUs to the grave? Some would say that we don't take our grievances to the grave, that it is our grievances that take us to the grave. You remember that story about Andrew Carnegie and Henry Clay Frick, two of the most successful industrialists of the 19th and 20th centuries. The two men used to be partners, but something happened in their relationship and things soured between the two of them and they remained estranged for the last half of their lives. But when time finally rolled on and Carnegie grew ill, he penned a note to his old friend, his nemesis, and asked him to meet him for lunch to bury the hatchet. The note was delivered across town, handed to Frick. Frick read the note and then turned to the messenger and said, tell Mr. Carnegie I will meet him. I will meet him in hell. Some would say that Frick was already there. Our grievances can take us to the grave. Death 
works upon us through our unreconciled balances. I knew a man who had been let go from his job for unjust reasons, and he never got over it, held a grudge for the rest of his days. I know a woman whose husband left her for another woman, and she's managed to keep that wound open, and sure enough, it's gotten infected with bitterness, and she cannot get the poison out of her system. Our unreconciled ledgers work death upon us, like Dickens, Miss Havisham, in Great Expectations, when she's left at the altar, all the clocks stop, the cake grows stale, the wedding gown becomes a mourning dress, and grievance takes her to the grave. And maybe grievance also takes the world to the grave. Can we not trace back our world issues, our conflict, our pain to the unresolved, unreconciled balance sheets that people like you and me keep? Nation against nation stems from citizen against citizen, right? Citizen against citizen stems from neighbor against neighbor. Neighbor against neighbor stems from family member against family member. Polarization doesn't start at the top. It, of course, starts at the bottom. It starts with what you and I do with our grievances, our bitterness, our unreconciled balances. Something's got to give. That's what we say when immovable forces collide. Something's got to give. Someone's got to give, which I suppose is what makes this good news that Paul talks about the good news. It's if something's got to give, well, says the apostle, in Christ, God gave. In Christ, God, despite God's grievance, despite our rejection of God, despite our inattention to God, in Christ, God was reconciling to the, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. In Christ, God was making peace. In Christ, God was pulling the world to himself. That in Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, Paul says in Colossians, whether on earth or in heaven by making peace through the blood of his cross. God, you see, when something had to give, it's God who gives. It's God who makes the first move. God doesn't wait for an apology. God doesn't take his bitterness to the grave. God sacrifices God's righteous indignation. God lets go of God's grievance and God surrenders the entirety of his being to gain peace with his people. In Christ, the infection of bitterness and the sour IOUs come to an end. In Christ, death loses its grip. Death ceases its work. And in Christ, God entrusts to us the message of reconciliation. In Christ, God says, you try it now. You sacrifice yourself for peace with your neighbor. You give up having to be right. You give up having to be the victim. You give up nursing your wounded ego. Jesus entrusts to us this message of reconciliation. Blessed are the peacemakers, he says, for they shall be called the children of God. Our Wednesday night group just got through watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and the whole story begins with the land of Narnia, and it's always winter in Narnia, and never Christmas. This land is held within the cold, deathly grip of the evil witch, and no one can seem to break free. Something's got 
to give, and it's Aslan the great lion who offers himself as the great sacrifice. There is no redemption but through sacrifice. And when the sacrifice is made, Lewis writes, death begins working backwards. And isn't that the truth, that peace and life go hand in hand, reconciliation and well-being go hand in hand, harmony and good music go hand in hand, that when we sacrifice our grievances for forgiveness, that death truly begins to work backwards. Remember the name Isaldine Abelash? He was the Palestinian doctor and father of eight living in the Gaza Strip. He practiced medicine there, but he practiced also the art of peacemaking between Palestinians and Israelis. He incurred the wrath of his own people by not speaking ill against his Israeli neighbors. And then came the day when the Israeli tank shells tore into his apartment, killing three of his daughters and leaving one blind and one eye. What does a man do when such has been done to his flesh and blood? What Dr. Avalache did was write a memoir with the title, I Shall Not Hate, a Gaza's doctor's journey on the road to peace and human dignity. In it, he says, the innocence of those girls must never be spoiled by my revenge. I can keep their memory living only with my good deeds. I shall not hate. And for the past dozen years, the good doctor has been working death backwards. When asked how we thought life should work, Rabbi Edward Cohen said, I think that the life cycle is all backwards. You should die first, get it out of the way, then live 20 years in an old age home. You get kicked out when you're too young. You get a gold watch, you go to work, you work 40 years until you're young enough to enjoy your retirement. You go to college, you party until you're ready for high school. You go to grade school, you become a little kid. You play, you've got no responsibilities, you become a little baby. You go back into the womb, you spend your last months floating and you finish up as a gleam in somebody's eye. Is it possible to become more alive the older you grow? Well, the good news, according to Paul, is yes, death works backward when the reconciling peace of Christ fills the gap, builds the bridge, heals the wound, and sure enough, we then become ourselves the gap fillers, the bridge builders, and the wound healers. John Killinger tells the true story of a 12-year-old boy out in California who tragically was witness to the murder of his two parents. The result of it was that he was put into a state institution for parentless boys, and there he languished. He pulled away and did poorly in school. Though he was brought before a slew of therapists and psychologists, nothing seemed to make any difference. And it wasn't long after graduating from high school that he was invited to a youth group meeting at a nearby church. And over the months of being there, he learned more and more about the life and person of Jesus until the message finally broke through that he had been reconciled to God. Life began to change. The young man began to have purpose. He applied to college, prepared to go to law school. But deep down, he knew there was still something left to do. He had still to do something about the hate. He needed to be forgiven for the 
hate, the hate he had for his parents' killer. And he also knew that to be, give, to be forgiven for the hate, he had to forgive the one who put the hate there, the one who took his parents away. He had recited the Lord's Prayer enough to remember, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So he went to the prison, and his first visit with the target of his hate was very awkward and turned into sort of a disaster. It was just too much for the two men. But he didn't give up and he went back and he went back to the prisoner and said, I have made a deal with God. I told God that if he would wipe the slate clean for the egregious sin of my hate, I will wipe your slate clean for the egregious sin of the crime against my parents. And that was the breakthrough. That's what got him to the peace. Years later, the young man, now a lawyer, was there when the killer was released on parole and he helped him to get a job and a new start. Death works backwards. When Cardinal Bernardine of Chicago years ago was falsely accused of sexual misconduct by a confused and angry young man, after months and months of anguish of living under the shadow of this false condemnation, the Cardinal learned that the young man who had, who had accused him confessed his sin of false accusation. And so there was no other way for the story to end but with the Cardinal inviting the young man to come so that he could say mass for him. And in his homily said to his accuser that in every family comes hurt and anger and alienation, but we cannot run away from family. We must be reconciled and we can be reconciled only when we are willing to sacrifice our grievance. No surprise then that two months before the Cardinal's death, he published his autobiography and called it The Gift of Peace. Lewis Smead said that to forgive someone is to remake them. You think of them not as the person who hurts you, but as the person who needs you. Not as the person who alienated you, but as the person who belongs to you. And is there any truer reality in this weary old world other than that we belong to each other? We belong to each other as God's children. We belong to each other as the citizens of the global village. We belong to each other as Americans. And peace comes only through sacrifice. Peace comes only through letting go of the deadly grievance. Peace comes when death starts working backwards. George Herbert said, the one who cannot forgive breaks the bridge over which that same one must pass. Something's got to give. In Christ, God gives. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting, not counting, not counting their trespasses against them, and has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.